Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. Today we have Mike Clay from ESPN Fantasy talking about the ideal fit for many of the NFL's leading free agents at running back, wide receiver, and tight end heading into the 2021 season. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to quickly tell you that the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney is back. It's Monday through Friday. All kinds of important baseball discussion happening, including this episode with Dr. Anthony Fauci on the feasibility of having a full baseball season and what he would tell players about being vaccinated. Also speaks to World Series winning manager Dave Roberts and his counterpart in the other dugout, Rays manager Kevin Cash. So plenty of fascinating baseball talk happening there with Buster Only. You know Buster Only is one of the foremost people in the country when it comes to breaking down baseball and talking to some of the brightest people in the game. So download and subscribe to the Baseball Tonight podcast and, of course, the Bill Barnwell Show wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here's my clip. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be all right joining me now here on the bill barnwell show is I, w- I would say, correct me if I'm wrong here, one of the foremost minds on fantasy football on the internet, but not just that, but someone who, by understanding and grasping and analyzing fantasy football, does a great job of understanding the game as a whole. Um, someone I love reading on a weekly basis, someone I always love to have on the show is ESPN's Mike Clay. Mike, how are you? pretty good i'm pretty good i'm feeling better after that introduction so i don't know if i would say uh foremost can i say that about myself i think yes. like we'd have to i think we'd have to ask matthew barry or or field but they would say no so let me think of someone else we could ask uh, ask, ask daniel daniel <laughs> daniel yeah i don't know i don't know I, daniel and i go at it pretty good on our on our dfs podcast throughout the season so um i'm not sure what he'd say but uh but uh, no, seriously, I appreciate the uh, the kind words, and uh, I'm, I always love doing the show because you and I, I think even though you you're more on the NFL side, I'm more on the fantasy mm-hmm. side. We look at the game similar, you know, in yeah. terms of seeing the whole picture from offensive linemen to the special teams to off, you know, everything. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to, to nerd out, talk some football. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know when it's come to the people I really like to read and people. I really respect when it comes to breaking down the game. So many of them come from a fantasy perspective because you have to understand all that stuff to impact, just to break down fantasy, um, you know, on a year to year and on a week to week basis, you have to have evidence. You have to have proof for what you're saying is meaningful and significant. And so I think, you know, I, I wanted to bring you on because we're approaching the NFL free agency period. And I think there are obviously going to be, players who end up in situations they weren't expecting. There are going to be guys who get cut. Um, the cap situation this year is so unique that I think you're going to see the market flooded with guys who might not be there. But we know there's going to be a lot of people who are at least eligible to become free agents. They might get franchised. They might get kept around. They might get re-signed. But I wanted to talk to you, Mike, about where some of these guys would fit best. And, and some of this is going to be strictly just, you know, which 
quarterback you're playing with, which line you're playing with, but also just tempo in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of the style. There's so many things that factor into a great fit. So I wanted to talk to you about that um, and talk about all these different players who are going to be coming up for free agency. So Mike, let's start with wide receivers. We're going to talk about running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends today. Um, let's start with wideouts, a very deep class, potentially, if mm-hmm. uh, guys don't get franchised. There are guys who may get re-signed and franchised, like I said. That could reduce it a little bit, but given the cap constraints, given the unique situation I think we're seeing with a lot of these teams, um, we could see more guys maybe hit the market than we would during a typical year. So let's start with the top. Let's start with kind of the tier one guys. Um, the, the first guy who comes to mind for me, a guy who has been very valuable in fantasy football at times, but who has been stuck with just bad quarterback after bad quarterback <laughs> going back to his time in college is Allen Robinson. So for each of these guys, we're going to pick a ideal landing spot um, for fantasy football purposes. And I think that's going to lend itself to real football as well. So Mike, let's start with Allen Robinson. Um, what do you think the ideal landing spot would be for the former Jaguar star? Okay, so I kind of mapped it out, right? So I we have a list of guys we need to look at. I kind of put them all, you know, I didn't put three guys on Tampa Bay or something, Fair. right? Like, you know, yes. uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of spread them out to have a little bit more fun with it. Um, so for Robinson, I decided to go with a destination that I, I don't think many people are talking about, but one that I love and mm-hmm. may or may not be a quarterback upgrade, uh, oh. uh, Bill. So we'll see. Um, it's the Colts. I put them okay. on the Colts. Yeah, so I got a little... Uh, cued here with it, but they obviously brought in Carson Wentz. The Colts mm-hmm. have uh, right around 43 million in cap space, according to over the cap. And, you know, I think he could be a missing piece for this offense. The offensive line's good. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and, and he, Naheem Hines are a place at running back. They mm-hmm. bring him Wentz at quarterback. And at wide receiver, that's what stands out as a question mark, right? T.Y. Hilton's in his 30s. He's a free agent. You have Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, who have combined for 69 catches so far mm-hmm. in their career. They're both, you know, recent second round picks, but they're, they're young, they're inexperienced, they're unproven, and I like that duo, but they need, I think, an alpha number one mm-hmm. to really get over the top with this offense, not to mention that they're lacking a little bit of tight end at this point. So I think you put Robinson with Pittman on the outside, Campbell in the slot, Taylor in the backfield, maybe Jack Doyle sticks a tight end. You're looking, you're looking good behind that offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think it makes total sense. I, I have another big name receiver going to the Colts. I'll get to it in a minute, but I think absolutely. That's a team that needs to add pieces around wins. We've seen the difference for him when he does have the right guys around him versus um, a struggling group of receivers. And so I think absolutely having a guy who can bail him out on deep throws, a guy who can, you know, be a, a, a receiver who wins at 50, 50 balls. Hopefully, you know, they have guys who can do that elsewhere on the roster, but Allen Robinson is a guarantee that you have that guy on the roster when he's healthy. So I think it's a, um, a totally logical move. I actually, this is one of my more boring picks. I, I had him sticking with the bears just because I don't know who's going to be a quarterback there, but there's going to be a ton of volume. I mean, you look at what they have on offense behind Allen Robinson at receiver. It is pretty flimsy. Darnell Mooney flashed a little bit here and there this year. You'd figure maybe he's going to be a guy who improves in the years to come. But, uh, you know, certainly Anthony Miller hasn't panned out. Um, Cordell Patterson is a free agent. Jimmy Graham, you figure, is going to be cut. Cole Komet, uh, probably has a bigger role in his second season, you would figure, but still, um, you know, there's the opportunity for a significant target share there. And I think just the volume would be so significant that I think that's going to be a really valuable role for somebody, whoever the wide receiver one is there. So 
I want him to have better quarterbacks. I feel bad that he's not going to, if he stays in Chicago, most likely given their cap constraints, but I just think the volume there is so significant. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, and you're right. It's tricky. You know, if you put yourself in the, the shoes of these top free agent receivers, you know, you look at Chicago, at, <clears throat> at least right now, and you think, uh, I don't know who the quarterback is. <laughs> I have no idea. Yes. Like, should I should I go there? So I'm with you. That that makes it tricky. But uh, I actually, I have someone going to Chicago. I don't know if you want to go in a specific order, but you know, no, if you no. want to stay on team, I have, uh, go ahead. I have one of the wide receivers going there. So I just feel like you, you look at Mooney, who you mentioned, probably a two, right? So he's, mm-hmm. he's 5'10", 180. You have Anthony Miller, who's undersized slot. I don't know if he's going to stick in a top three role after what we've seen from him. Mm-hmm. But you probably want some size, right, to replace Robinson. And, and obviously, I have him signing elsewhere. So uh, I have them going after and taking a shot on. Again, because because a top a league guy may not want to go there right now mm-hmm. because of the quarterback situation, maybe down one tier. But a guy with upside, that's Corey Davis from mm-hmm. Tennessee, right? He, he brings you a, you know, a six, three, six, four frame, gives you that size, replaces Robinson. And, and again, may not be a sure thing, but he's still young. He has a, a massive amount of pedigree, obviously being a top mm-hmm. 10 pick with Tennessee. And, and I think he's a nice fit. So I, I just feel like that one um, makes a, makes a lot of sense. And by the way, he, you know, he was born in Chicago too. So he may want to sign, oh. there. you know, he, he went to nearby Western Michigan. He's from that area. So Corey Davis kind of kind of makes sense here. Uh, maybe a return home to Chicago. Oh, man, I didn't even realize that. That's better than my pick for Corey Davis. I like that. I wish I could steal <laughs> that now. Um, I think oh, everything, everything you said makes total sense. And absolutely. Um, a guy who we still think maybe has some upside. A guy who, you know, was a, a 1A to me last year. Not, you know, maybe not in terms of the production because he didn't get that many targets. But a guy who, you know, on a snap-by-snap basis averaged almost 11 yards per target. Um, you know, a fifth, over 15 yards per reception, a guy who you think, okay, you know, given his pedigree, given his size, given his frame, given his athleticism, you know, could possibly be the number one um, if he ends up in the right situation. To me, I had a, a similar sort of thought, but I had him going to the Jets um, where I think they need to add receiving help, obviously, for whatever they do, assuming they draft a quarterback at two. Um, you have the LaFleur offense going to the Jets. Corey Davis has been playing in a version of that offense for the past couple of years, a ton of play action, tons of, you know, hitting those big shots downfield off of play action. I, I think he can be a guy who ends up as maybe um, the number one receiver with the Jets if they don't go for a wide receiver in the first round. So I'm assuming they're going quarterback. I'm assuming they're adding a receiver in the, uh, you know, in, in free agency to work with what they have. I think Corey Davis makes sense there. Yeah. I like it too. I did not, uh, I did not find, you know, there, there's like a, everybody needs more wide receivers, yes. right? It's just the, the nature of the beast. So there were a few teams that I couldn't really solve it via free agency. And they were mm-hmm. one of them certainly oh, no. looking for a one or two. So uh, I left them alone for now, but uh, definitely makes sense. I was trying to find a, uh, another perimeter wide receiver for them with Prashad Perriman heading to mm-hmm. free agency. And who knows if they're going to keep Jamison Crowder. Some yeah. rumors that he could be a, a, a cap cut. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that whole situation's up in the air. That offense could look totally different um, by yes. the time we get through free agency and through the draft. Um, in terms of those those big perimeter receivers, like you mentioned, the next guy that comes to mind for me is Kenny Galladay, a guy who missed mm-hmm. pretty much all of 2020 with injury. Um, was good when he was on the field, um, and certainly you know made an impact in 2019. Has had Matthew Stafford as his quarterback, but I, I think a receiver who you know, with the new regime coming in Detroit, not sure if they're going to be invested in Kenny Galladay as a number one receiver. So Mike, if he hits the market, uh, where could you see him ending up? Yeah. So this was my rare, uh, boring pick here. Oh no. This I is, set it up the wrong my, way. 
yeah, this is this is my rare boring pick. So I here's the thing. I was thinking that uh, the Lions don't have a choice but to pay him whatever he wants, right? So uh, Mike Mike Rothstein, by the way, who covers the Lions for us, did predict they'll use the franchise tag on him. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. For me, I just look at this and think, okay, your top four wide receivers are free agents. I don't see how they don't make sure holidays back as their number one, right? Marvin Jones, probably gone. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get to him later. Danny Amendola is probably gone. Uh, who else was in there? Sanu, I think was, was, was there, there yeah. for a while. Yeah. So they're all gone. Uh, so right now it's Quintez Cephas, Geronimo, Allison, who opted out last year, Victor Bolden and Tom Kennedy. That's their wide receiver depth chart right now. Not so, ideal. Yeah. So for me, I think uh, he gets paid, whether it's a long-term extension or uh, a long-term extension or the franchise tag, mm-hmm. I think he sticks around. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I, I could see maybe if they're just totally tanking and they want to get as many comp picks as possible, maybe he leaves that way. But yeah. I think that's the most likely scenario. I agree with you. Um, I did pick a fun scenario for Kenny Galladay, though, um, okay. which maybe maybe is not realistic. But I, I think if he does have trouble getting a multi-year deal, which I don't think he would have troubles, the wrong word, maybe, but just if he doesn't get the one year, the, the multi-year deal he's hoping for, given the market, given that he's coming off of an injury, Maybe he takes a one-year deal um, and sort of goes back into the market next year. I think if he does that, I would love to see him be a member of the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. I I think that is a team that, you know, they have plenty of weapons. No one is arguing the Niners don't have weapons. But I don't know if anybody they have is that true number one guy. Um, Maybe Brendan Ayuk becomes that guy. Maybe Debo Samuel um, can get a variety of touches and end up as that receiver in a variety of different ways, but just that true X receiver. Um, they don't have that. And, and I don't know if they can make it work, but I think if they can use voidable years to bring his, his contract value down for a one-year deal, um, I think that would be such a dream landing spot given the, the ways that Cal Shanahan can make a true number one receiver pop. Um, mm-hmm. It is the total opposite of what I said about, uh, about Allen Robinson, where, you know, volume, 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 and that does matter. But I think just the total opposite here in terms of just the the you know getting one on ones, getting open, hitting those big shots, such a, a a dynamic deep receiver at times. Matthew Stafford, I think he could be that guy in San Francisco on a one year deal. Yeah, I like it. I love it. I actually was trying to identify a player for that team, but mm-hmm. considering you know Debo Samuel missed so yeah. much time this past season with the injury, Brandon Ayuk missed a little bit of time, but he was pretty reliable most of the year. Uh, missed some time. I think he was on the COVID list for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I agree with them going after a number three. Now, you have, you have a guy like Jalen Hurd, Richie James could fill in. But the guy I went with actually was, again, in, in the ballpark of a maybe a cheaper than Galladay one-year mm-hmm. uh, fill-in. I went with Antonio Brown. That, really? that was my guy. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, you never know with Brown and the off-the-field stuff and how that will marry with Kyle Shanahan. But I'm thinking that makes sense, right? Just a Mm-hmm. Uh, a more reliable, super highly skilled guy on the field, at least <laughs> reliable wise, but um, he gives you that better in presence. And I love the Samuel Ayuk duo because mm-hmm. I feel like the upside there is, is just massive. It could be one of the best duos in the NFL, not to mention Kittle at tight end. Uh, but I think Brown just kind of gives you a really, really intriguing trio. And especially if you stick with Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going mm-hmm. to want uh, him to have a ton of help around him. I think that Brown could be an option. So I was trying to find a spot for him. I thought there or Arizona could potentially Mm -hmm. be a fit. Um, I kind of struggle with finding uh, a great spot for him, but I think those make, make some sense. I actually had a different guy going to Arizona. Um, My logic has been 
they need speed. Um, I think yeah. that look at them at the end of the year last year, they didn't have anybody who could stretch the, stretch the opposing team downfield. So much of it was contested passes. So much of it was improvisation with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, sort of making magic happen or winning on 50, 50 balls. There, there just wasn't that guy who could really cause teams to sort of get off their, you know, get off, get off their, um, you know, to press coverage and, and get off that, that type of coverage. And I think Andy Isabella is of course supposed to be that guy, but it seems for whatever reason that Cliff Kingsbury does not want to play Andy Isabella. Now things could change, you know, can't ever rule that out, but until that changes, I think you have to think about adding a speedy receiver to be maybe the number three there to replace Larry Fitzgerald if Larry Fitzgerald does retire. So I, I know he's not the guy he was a few years ago, um, but I thought maybe T.Y. Hilton here. Mm-hmm. Um, where he doesn't have to be the primary guy. He, he is not certainly the same burner he was with Andrew Luck, but I think a guy who can still stretch teams downfield, a guy who can be at the right price, which might be, you know, three, $4 million a year for a team that does need to spend money on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think he could be a very viable, um, you know, number two, number three option at receiver in that offense for a team that really, again, needs that downfield threat. Right. I agree with you. And first of all, how about that? that wide receiver class, right? That first Kingsbury wide receiver class. I mean, mm-hmm. Dean Butler is a tight end on Philadelphia. Now, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, I guess he's worked out for a six round pick, but doesn't yeah. play much. Isabella second rounder, you know, bust there. So uh, not, not going so hot with that class. No. And you're right. They've, they've had to kind of revamp with uh, you know, ho- uh, obviously they traded for Hopkins. Christian Kirk hasn't kind of lived up to that second round pedigree quite yet. So I agree. They mm-hmm. should be in the wide receiver market. Uh, Hilton, uh, I, I agree. I think that that's kind of the situation that he should be in, but I actually have him going elsewhere. And okay. this is, I, he would replace a guy we already talked about in Antonio Brown with the Buccaneers. So I, I actually, I'll tease mm-hmm. this. We'll talk about it, but I, I have Godwin going back to Tampa Bay. I think that's pretty much all but locked in They'll They'll tag him. He's, he's going there and it's mm-hmm. the best fantasy fit. Uh, Godwin back at Tampa Bay just makes so much sense. So you have mm-hmm. Godwin, you have Mike Evans, and you're still right. You're still in the window, right? You're still in the window to go for a repeat championship. And I think you're going to want a third uh, wide receiver. Now, I like Scotty Miller. I love Tyler Johnson. I think maybe you could get by with those two. But if you want to go out and get a guy that maybe you get a discount on, a guy who might take less to try and win a Super Bowl, uh, it could be T.Y. Hilton. So uh, I just I think that's kind of a natural fit to slide in there into mm-hmm. that. It's a downgrade, I think, at this point in his career. But I think it makes some sense to sort of. Uh, sort of try to rep, uh, replace Antonio Brown. I think Godwin does end up going back to Tampa. I know they've said as much, but I'm just surprised. I, you know, I feel like given the the cap issues they do have, given that they, you know, they can probably get Antonio Brown back on a reasonable deal, given that he is Tom Brady's housemate, um, I believe. I don't know if he's moved out yet, but, um, you know, I, I would almost wonder if they're better off using the money they have elsewhere, bringing back the defensive pieces, bringing back a Shaq Barrett or um, an Adam and Kung Su um, or Levante David. And they're going to bring some of those guys back in addition to Godwin. But um, I think it is the best thing for Godwin for sure to go back to Tampa Bay. And I think that if they do bring Godwin back, you maybe I want to add one more receiver if Antonio Brown does leave. And I think Tua Hilton makes total sense there. I know that I've talked about them being maybe in the mix uh, for Julian Edelman, who's not very exciting as a receiver, but if, uh, you know, if they do lose Godwin um, and if Edelman is a cap casualty with the Patriots, which I think is likely. Um, and okay. also, also Hilton's from Florida. That's important. We're going to do that a lot here. So that, that's important from Florida. Go back home. 
and mm-hmm. uh, go for a Super Bowl ring with the Bucks. It matters. I mean, at the end of the day, like it does sure. make a difference. This stuff does matter. Um, sure, sure, man. It, look, if I was in the NFL, I'd be more, I'd probably lean toward wanting to sign with the Eagles, you know, growing up in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, you know, so I, I think it makes perfect sense. You know, if I, if you, if you're 20 and you get drafted by your, let's just say uh, you're me, right. You're from Pennsylvania. You get drafted by Arizona. That's a huge lifestyle change. And mm-hmm. then maybe it's four years later you've lived most of your life on the East coast and you, you know, you're out there for four years. It might be, you know, maybe you like it there and you want to stay around in that vicinity or try somewhere new. It's fine. Everybody's wired different, but it makes perfectly logical sense that you might want to go back home. <laughs> so uh, for a guy like Hilton, I think it makes some sense. Hilton, you know, grows up in Miami, um, goes to Florida international, ends up in Indianapolis for a decade. And not no, no criticism of Indianapolis. I would love to be there right now for the combine. Sure. But, sure. But it's not Miami in terms of of the the weather and the conditions. A little different. Um, So for sure, I can see what you're saying there. Um, In terms of speed, I think a guy who there's a really obvious fit for, and maybe it's just that simple, is Curtis Samuel. Um, Mm -hmm. Mike, where do you see Curtis Samuel heading? Uh, So again, I I went a little different with this one. I don't think I've seen this team connected to him, but I think it makes a lot of sense, especially if they move on from Adam Humphreys and that would be the Titans. I like that. So, yeah. So you have, you have AJ Brown uh, on the perimeter and, and really all over the place. The guy is a superstar number one, but Humphreys could be gone. Corey Davis likely gone via free agency. John Smith, the franchise tag candidate. We'll talk about him later. He could be gone as well. You need some firepower offensively mm-hmm. for Ryan Tannehill. And I think Samuel brings that versatility. He can line up, Outside, he can line up in the backfield as a change of pace to Derrick Henry. He mm-hmm. can carry the football, which is a, a terrific fit. They don't they don't have a uh, a lockdown number two running back right now, so that makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, he, and again, he can work in the slot if you move on from from Humphreys. Just come up, you know, came off a a uh, breakout season mm-hmm. this past year. They, you know, he really did great in that Matt Rule offense. The Panthers, ha- or uh, excuse me, the Titans are close on the salary cap, but I think they'll be okay with some of these other guys leaving. So mm-hmm. um, I think Samuel just is a, a natural fit for what the Titans are trying to do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to have to get a number two wide receiver if Davis leaves. You know, I don't yeah. know what that guy is going to look like. It could be a position they address in the draft, certainly. But um, I think Samuel makes total sense. I think a guy who can also, you know, like you said, line up in the backfield, but also just the threat of him moving across the formation can slow down some of the pursuit uh, as they, as Tennessee runs a lot of their zone stretch plays with Derrick Henry. So I think he can be a really complimentary part of this offense as well. Um, I I had the boring pick with him going to Washington. You figure that that's the organization that drafted him. Uh, of course, Ron Rivera and Marty Herney there now in Washington. I think they just have a need for that guy. You know, I think JD McKissick sort of played that role a little bit last year. He was the, you know, the safety valve in so many ways for Alex Smith when he'd have like those like 15 catch games. Um, you know, I think he can be a very complimentary player to uh, Terry McLaurin there. Um, you know, I, I think I think he can play a role that they don't necessarily have. I think that they that's a very interesting offense. I think there, there are weapons there that are going to be emerging. I think Antonio Gibson can play a bigger role in 2021. But, you know, he wasn't really all that much of a threat in the passing game for a guy who I think maybe I think we expected more of as a receiver, um, or at least I expected more of as a receiver, uh, was more of a pure runner in 2020. So I think mm-hmm. there's there's touches to be had there. And I think Curtis Samuel, um, given the familiarity, given the, the the range of skills he has, could be a very sort of useful uh, and complementary piece to what they have there to begin with. 
Yeah. And this is, again, this is another one of those situations where quarterback is uncertain, right? So it, it might be tricky for them to kind of navigate the waters with wide receiver, but here's the thing. They are fifth for now, at least in cap space. Uh, so I actually had them spending up on a more expensive, but similar player They're lines up on the, on the field in a similar location. Uh, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Ooh. So t- they have a lot, again, they have more cap room. So maybe they'll go aim even higher, right? I think that Juju is probably uh, a, uh, at least a slightly more appealing acquisition. So that's, that's where I went with them. I agree with you 100% that they have to find a number two wide receiver. I don't care who it is. It's got to be someone, it's got to be a draft pick, or it's got to be on one of these top free agents and they have the money to do it. They have a pretty good defense on paper. Uh, they, you know, they have given uh, Gibson, they have Thomas, they have McLaurin, they have some pieces in place, but you have to find in the modern era, another impact wide receiver. And I think Juju could be that guy and they could, uh, they could open the, they can op- open their wallet for him, right? They, mm-hmm. they can spend and, uh, and pull him away, um, pull him away from Pittsburgh for sure. Um, I will say this. I think that I think there's a decent chance Pittsburgh tries to keep him around, especially once they restructure uh, Ben Roethlisberger's contract. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, he's from the West Coast is Smith Schuster. So some of the teams you talk about, like Arizona, maybe even the Raiders, you know, maybe there's some mm-hmm. pull toward the West Coast for him. So that's something to keep in mind. But uh, for the for the, <laughs> the purpose of this project, I'm putting him in, uh, in Washington. Yeah, I think it makes total sense. Um, I, I certainly think the Steelers will try. But I just think given their needs elsewhere, um, given that you might want to try and resign Bud Dupree, um, might want to resign Alejandro Villanueva, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things they can do um, or a lot of positions they might want to address besides wide receiver, given that you have Chase Claypool and you have Deontay Johnson. I think you have a lot to work with that receiver um, already. So I think if the price is right, they'll bring him back, but I don't think the price will be right. I think there will be a lot of interest in him. I think Washington makes sense. I had him going to Miami. Um I have okay. him being sort of the big investment for the Dolphins. Again, this could be a situation where they don't add a big receiver this year in free agency because it's a position they think they're going to address with the third overall pick. I think Devontae Smith could make total sense there, reuniting him with Tua Tango-Vailoa. Um, but I think they have to add a receiver for Tua this offseason. I think that, you know, Devontae Parker is a talented player, but um, health has been a concern and it has been an inconsistent receiver, really only one year of him playing at an extremely high level. Uh, Mike Kosicki, you know, flashed a little bit and I think he could be more interesting. Um, he's certainly going to take some snaps in the slot, but I think they could upgrade with a full-time slot receiver who's very effective. And I think Juju's young. Juju is super talented. Um, a guy who is a, a much tougher player than I think people give him credit for. I know he's not from Florida, so I know that um, a LA reunion or a, a trip West Coast could make sense, but I do think that um, the upside is there with Juju, still only 24. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just a, a organization that's very analytics friendly um, could see a lot of things they like in Juju Smith-Schuster. So um, I had him going there. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I think that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it makes sense. I think they like Lynn Bowden as, and, and it'll give him a, sure. a shot at the slot. That's kind of what would, would draw me away. And maybe you find a guy that's more suited for the perimeter to compete with Preston Williams, who hasn't been able to stay uh, on the field. But at the same time, if you bring in a, a guy like Smith Schuster, I mean, he just takes over for Bowden, bumps him into more of a, a gadget role. And then you still have a, a guy that's a number two. And then maybe you get a good season out of Preston Williams. And you have a three in place mm-hmm. right there, not to mention Kasicki. So it's going to be interesting with the new offense. He changed uh, offensive coordinators again. Yep. Uh, and, and we'll see how that affects this offense. But uh, I'm with you. I, I hope they spend elsewhere. I, I, 
I'd be okay with it. Maybe you draft a day two wide receiver or sign a, you know, spend a little bit less there Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, really attack that offensive line, maybe finish what you were building Mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting year for the dolphins because uh, a good, they're a good off season away from making the playoffs, I think. They have, and there, there's so many ways they can go. They like, right. they have so much to work with. They have cap space. They have the high draft picks. Like they are, they can control their own destiny. And I think that's a really exciting thing to be in. If you're a Dolphins fan, right. um, most prominent free agent left on the books right now at receiver to me is Wolf Fuller. Um, who knows what the Texans are doing with anything right now, but Mike, what's the best case scenario for Wolf Fuller this off season? Well, I'm, I'm good. Again, I know this team doesn't have a lot of cap space, but they tried to trade for him a few months ago. I'm going with the Packers, right? Like they, they got yeah, right. They have to get a number two. I think I, I know that Packers fans, uh, they're already mad at me because I was tweeting about Robert Tunyon today and how he, you know, he, he's a good player. I think he had a, he had a nice year, but his stats are going to go down next year unless his targets go way up. He just, you know, he's off the charts, unsustainable, but um, you know, Alan Lazard, Marcus Valdez-Scantley, Equinemia St. Brown, even Devin Funches. I don't think they're the answer, right? And, mm-hmm. and I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be super thrilled if, if it's the same group next season. So, uh, again, they were flirting with the trade already. We know that there's some interest there. Why not go out and, and find a way to get him on your team? And, again, I know the cap could be an issue, but I also think with Fuller missing time, uh, with all the injuries, not to mention – that he's suspended for week one. I think mm-hmm. that all of that could lead to maybe he signs a one-year deal, a proven mm-hmm. deal with a contender like the Packers has a good year and then it pays off for him next season. So I do really like that fit. So you're telling me that the Packers won't have the best red zone offense of the last 20 years next year. And that Robert Tunyon, <laughs> I know, Robert Tunyon, right? Robert Tunyon I know, won't. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm, I'm a hater, Bill. I'm a hater. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe Fuller uh, handle some of the bulk of those targets. So by the way, went to Notre Dame. So again, mm-hmm. another guy in, that's in the same uh, vicinity of the country. So it kind of makes sense that he, he would uh, want to go uh, play for the Packers. I'm looking at this Robert Tunyon stat line now. I didn't realize he caught 88% of his passes this year. Yeah. He, uh, he, he was historically off the charts statistically. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Uh, fourth in yards per target, first in catch rate, first in touchdown rate among tight ends over the past three seasons. So uh, just, you know, those kind of things. I've done so much research on there. It's one of my go-tos, you know, one of the things that if you do read my work, you you read me for, because it's the mm-hmm. kind of unique thing that I do. But um, I posted a chart on Twitter earlier at my clay NFL with a list of the top touchdown rates from the past decade, actually mm-hmm. going back to 09 and what they did the next season. And it's just all red, meaning pretty much everyone plummeted in every category, touchdown rate, tar- even targets barely go up. You might think, oh, a high touchdown rate, maybe they'll be thrown to more the next season. Mm-hmm. That's not the case either. So um, that's a, a whole nother podcast, I guess. But nonetheless, yes. you can't count on that level of efficiency and production from uh, tight end next season. Maybe the volume goes up. It is, it is possible, but you can't count on that. So I think they should go out and try to find another weapon. I always love when you do this column every year and you put in the introduction, you know, your success rate with those predictions in years past. And it's like either 100% or like high nineties percent. Right. Isn't it crazy? I mean, it's such a hard game to predict, you know, you and I both know that. Well, there's so much volatility. Uh, it, it's so hard and you just have to accept the variance in most categories. You don't really have to with, with uh, touchdown rates year to year, because 
we know that as hard as they are to predict that we know the extremes will regress to the mean, whether it's super high rates or super low rates. And mm-hmm. it's proven year and year and again, there's no point fighting it. I mean, you cannot stop regression to the mean over a long, over large samples. It's impossible. And we've seen it uh, just every example, you name mm-hmm. a player, it has happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had a different receiver going to the Packers. I think, um, you know, under the same logic you had uh, to some extent, Marvin Jones going to the okay. Packers, where I think he is, you know, he's not going to have a huge market. He'll have interest for sure, but I don't think he's going to get more than six, $7 million a year, just given that the wide receiver market is going to be so flooded with talent. And he's a guy who's on the wrong side of 30. Um, and at that price tag, I think he could, you know, consider the Packers where he would be the number two guy quite clearly. But I think a compliment to Devontae Adams, a guy who, you know, still can stretch teams downfield, certainly made plays downfield with the, the uh, Lions last year. Um, you know, a, a good blocker. I think someone who's well-regarded as a teammate. I think, you know, Alan Lazard is certainly going to have a role in this offense when he's healthy. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to move the ball around, but I think a, you know, a play action shot guy um, for the Packers. And I think maybe not as good at that role as he would have been three or four years ago, but still a guy who can be, you know, we, we know every year Marvin Jones seems to have a game where he has like 200 yards and three touchdowns. So, you yeah. know, if you have two of those games with the Packers, you're, you're probably paying for that six or $7 million. <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, Jones on the back of a secondary wide receiver and a Packers Aaron Rodgers led offense makes a lot of sense. Right. Good old James Jones had a lot of, uh, yeah. uh, fortune in that offense. So he'd be, you know, bring a, bring in another Jones. So, um, I like that. I think it makes sense. I actually have Marvin Jones elsewhere and this one has already been rumored. So again, nothing clever here, but, mm-hmm. uh, it makes so much sense for him to replace Josh Reynolds as the three yep. for the Rams, uh, reunion with Matthew Stafford. Obviously they've done uh, nice work together over the past few seasons in Detroit. Now, again, the Rams, another team that, uh, you know, the cap situation could be a little tricky for them to navigate. They have their way, uh, over the cap right now, yes. but again, he's, I think he's actually expressed interest in going to the Rams. So that's a, a team to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's a, you know, just a question of what the price tag is there. I think if they can make the price tag work, make total sense. That he oh, and, uh, Bill, guess where he's from? Oh no. LA. He? He's he, from he, LA. He went to Cal. So another, another natural fit here. <laughs> I love it. I love what it. it's all about, right? That's how we, that's how we map these out. This is regression towards the <laughs> regression towards the hometown. Um, yeah. is what we're going through here. Okay. Um, we have two more receivers left here. And one of my picks is very boring. I'll go with that one first. Nelson Aguilar. Nobody, maybe you did. I don't know. I mean, you're pretty good. I, I did not see Nelson Aguilar, you know, producing what he did for the Raiders this past year. Um, a 48, 896, eight line averaging nearly 19 yards per reception. Um, guy, guy balled out and you know what? Good for him. I mean, a guy who was certainly, mm-hmm. you know, had wore out his welcome in Philadelphia, you know, signed for, I think the minimum and had a great year. So to me, you know, I think he'll have interest elsewhere, but I think a reunion with the Raiders to me makes the most sense. Um, whether it be in a one-year deal or a multi-year deal, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. On one hand, I want to say like it may he might be better off as a two or a three somewhere, but mm-hmm. he just thrived as a number one with Derek Carr. I mean, they they maximized him, and uh, I think that uh, you know I'm worried about Henry Ruggs panning out there, so they sure. might need to be in the market here for a wide receiver other than Nelson Aguilar. But I agree. I mean, it just worked out so well. Why would you not want to go back there again? Another guy that's from out that way, right? He went mm-hmm. to USC, so it makes sense to kind of stay on the on the West Coast. So. Um, if you will, uh, obviously Vegas. So, um, I think that, uh, I think that this is the first one I think we both agree on, um, or, be, or at least predicted the same thing. I think that Aguilar 
re-signing with the Raiders makes a lot of sense. I feel better about this one since we agree. I feel more confident. In my, uh... <laughs> None of these will happen. <laughs> None of them. Yeah. I think Aguilar. I think Aguilar will happen. I think that's yeah, the yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that you brought up um, Godwin. I think Godwin does seem very likely to head back to Tampa. We're going to finish up here with the guy I tease going to Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. Not quite a number one, but I think a guy with some upside, a guy who certainly has talent, but hasn't always been able to show it off because of injuries is Sammy Watkins. And I know that um, the Colts already have an injury prone whiteout in Paris Campbell who has missed most of his first two years with various injuries. I think there's still a lot of upside in Paris Campbell when he's healthy, but I think Sammy Watkins, given the size, given the frame, um, still a great athlete, still a guy who we know when he's healthy can be a playmaker. Um, Maybe you limit his snaps. Maybe you limit his workload in Indianapolis because they are going to run a lot of, you know, uh, two tight end sets. And they're going to probably draft a tight end this year um, to help out. And so I think they they could be a very two tight end heavy system. So he only plays about half the snaps, but I think, a guy who on a play-by-play basis can still be very effective. So I had him going to Indy as they're sort mm-hmm. of like, they don't, I, don't, I don't think they would have a true number one in this scenario, but I think they would have, you know, um, a few guys who can be a number one on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like it for sure. Uh, we've seen Carson Wentz spread the ball around to a lot of players in Philadelphia. So that could, that can make sense for sure. Uh, for me, Watkins, um, you know, I had two teams. Uh, actually, I had one team that I had listed, and it turns out, again, I, I had so much fun looking for where these guys were from and obviously knowing where they went to school. But uh, Sammy's from Florida, and yes. the ja- the Jags, I think, are make sense, right? They have the most cap space. You have uh, actually a pretty good situation, right? I don't think they need to go out and spend the money on mm-hmm. uh, a number one, per se. You have DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault, who I think is a really intriguing one-two punch. Uh, you have James Robinson in the backfield. So I think tight end and a third, maybe a, a two slash three uh, at wide receiver makes some sense for uh, for Jacksonville. So I have Sammy Watkins going there again, just like you said with Indianapolis, same kind of thing, right? You have two young receivers. You don't necessarily need to be the number one. So I think there's that or dare I say uh, back toward where he went to college in Clemson, could he be the three for the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, that makes some sense too. DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson primarily line up, line up outside. So that it's not a perfect fit if you're trying to find another slot wide receiver, but uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we get to the tight end position. But nonetheless, I think there's a, a couple fits for Watkins, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll predict uh, officially the Jags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were the one team that I couldn't find a landing spot for someone, like you said, with regards to the Jets. Although I will say, as we get to the tight ends here, I did have a tight end going there. And mm-hmm. the tight end I had going there was Johnny Smith, where I think okay. they are going to be a team that, you know, I, I'm not sure what that offense is going to look like on a week-to-week basis, but with Daryl Bevel there, um, certainly a guy who has been very comfortable using his tight ends in the past, a guy who's valued tight ends. Um you know, I, I think that they believe they just declined Tyler Eifert's option, if I'm not mistaken. The Jags did. Yes, yes. that's correct. Yep. So he is no longer in the picture. Um, you know, not much there. I know they have Josh Oliver um, on board, but has not been a impact receiver by any means so far in his career. Um, so I think a, a blank slate there at tight end. And I think that John Smith could be a, he's an effective blocker. He's an effective to a tight end. Um, and, and a red zone threat. So I think that if they don't land on that number one wide receiver or wide receiver who makes sense, could certainly see them going for a tight end and going for Johnny Smith. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, I'll get back into him in a second. But 
Uh, I actually have them, again, this one, I struggle with this one because I think there's lots of potential uh, destinations for Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the guy I have on Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, he, look, like I said, they have a they have a one-two punch of wide receiver. Maybe they go after a Watkins as a, as a three there, you know, find a number three receiver. But you have Robinson. Tight ends kind of jumps out as the spot you need to address, especially with Eifert gone. So I, and they're number one in cap space. So they can afford to spend up and get the best tight end on the market. It seems like Hunter Henry is willing to move on uh, from Los Angeles this season. So I think you bring him in, you give uh, another weapon for Trevor Lawrence, assuming he's the pick there. Um, I think that one makes a lot of sense. I also thought, I also jotted down Cincinnati for him. You know, they could certainly use uh, an upgrade at that spot and give Joe Burrow a weapon. Again, a team that's really has an underrated group of skill position players and, uh, and obviously reunion with the chargers, you know, it's just a lot of, young tight ends, a Herbert, a Burrow, a Lawrence that could really use a guy like Hunter Henry. Um, and I think he has some, some good spots where he can go somewhere, sign with a tight end needy team that has a good young quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I will say this much, Mike, I don't like arguing with you, but Hunter Henry is from Arkansas. I know. Guess where Johnny Smith is from. Uh, where's he from? I don't, I don't know that one. He went to Florida, went to Florida. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, oh, right. Born, right. born uh, in Philadelphia. Born in darn. Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. You got you got me on that one. I, you beat I finally, me at my own game. You beat me at my I own finally, game. On that one. I finally found one. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> you did, but uh, I do have a different home for John o. Smith. We want to put a bow on tight ends here. I know we're only going to uh, yep. talk about a, coup, uh, a pair here, but um, I have him on uh, Carolina, right? And I'll like tell that. you why. Like all right. Th- this is why I have, him. first of all, it, you know, we already talked about Curtis Samuel potentially leaving that opens mm-hmm. up that void in the slot. But also, I don't think people realize this because he was a non-factor in fantasy and only had a 6% target share. But Ian Thomas played 40 snaps a game, and it wasn't not. It was not just blocking. He ran 26 routes a game. Mm-hmm. For perspective, DJ Moore ran 33 routes a game. Robbie Anderson ran 32 routes a game. Christian McCaffrey, the games he played, 26 routes a game. That was equal to Thomas's 26. So mm-hmm. he was out there. They'd snap the ball. Teddy Bridgewater would drop back and Ian Thomas is running routes and they just never threw it to him. Like mm-hmm. he, there was no. So what I was thinking about all year long, as I watched this progress throughout the season is man, if they go out and get a pass catching tight end, that could really open up uh, mm-hmm. this Panthers offense as it continues to develop. So um, I, I, I have John U. Smith there. I think they'll try to find a better pass catching tight end, give him them snaps. And that could really be uh, a big time for this offense. So more Anderson, you know, maybe John U. Smith, someone like that, potentially get a number three receiver. Maybe they re-sign Curtis Samuel. We don't know. They'll have McCaffrey back. And uh, Bill, I'll tell you what, there's no team I'd love to see get Deshaun Watson more than Carolina. I mean, there's a lot oh, of good fits, man. but it would be so awesome after what they did defensively last offseason, cleaning house with the new coaching staff, going super young, drafting all defensive players. They overachieved in Rolls' first year. You have some good skill position players in place. You need to address the offensive line a little bit more fine. But they're close. I mean, Watson could put them right into the playoffs or at least in the playoffs conversation. Uh, I would I would love that fit. But uh, anyway, uh, get, getting off on a Panthers tangent here, but you get my point. Mike, as a DJ Moore dynasty uh, investor, uh, you're, uh, you're, 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 you're saying what I want to hear. Put it that <laughs> way. That would be wonderful. Um, I, I, oh, think, yeah. I, I think they are a team that, you know, I think if if they if the Texans would answer their calls, I think they would be making a serious, significant offer 
for Deshaun Watson. I, I think they are a yeah. team that is comfortable saying, okay, we will do that. You know, the four first round picks, we'll do something over the top to get this done. Because I think that is a team that does think, you know, if we get a, the right quarterback, we are a top five, top six offense. And I, I think, you know, maybe they have to add a left tackle, but I think they could be um, in that tier of offenses if they do get the quarterback situation figured out. Um, right. Let's finish up here with running backs. Uh, a bunch to talk about here. Let's start with the big name, Aaron Jones. Um, do you think he's going to go back to the Packers or where do you think Aaron Jones ends up? Uh, where do you think he should end up in 2021? Uh, I do not think he goes back to the Packers and I'll tell you why. So, and I'll, I'll just, I'll marry this right in with another guy in our list, Jamal Williams too. this, this whole conversation. So uh, I think that if you were thinking logically about building a backfield, right, mm-hmm. you would think that, and I tweeted this the other day, so I'm just going to steal right from my tweet, but you would think that of these three things, two are reasonable, three are not right. So one would be the Packers draft a running back in round two, right? So they already did that. They took AJ Dillon last year. They pay up a super expensive, you know, pay a super expensive salary to Aaron Jones. And the other option is you extend Jamal Williams, right? So do you really think they would do all three of those things? It doesn't make sense. A two, a he- an extremely expensive, extensive contract and also resign Jamal Williams. So I don't think he's going to be super cheap by any means. So cheaper than Jones, but not super cheap. So they already drafted Dylan. He's locked in, I think. Uh, I think that the other thing that makes sense for them would be to bring back Jamal Williams, right? So I think that's what they do. I think they, they sign a, you know, maybe two, three-year extension with Jamal Williams, put him with A.J. Dillon. Dillon handles most of the carries and goal line work. Williams plays a pretty substantial role, probably going to be undervalued in fantasy next season. And Aaron Jones moves on. You spend that money on a wide receiver or elsewhere. But uh, that's how I, I have that kind of playing out. So that's the Packers side of it. Uh, we'll see if that's the way it works out. Um, mm-hmm. As for Jones, I'm going to talk, I'm going to go else. I'm going to go away from um, the rumors as of late, which is Miami. That would be the, the easy one. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to spend on running back. Everybody thought they were going to draft a running back in round one last year. Yep. They didn't do it. And miles Gaskin was serviceable. So I don't think they do it. I think it's uh, the fit for me is, is the Georgia native going home. Let's do it again with the, with this, with the town, right? He's from, he's from Georgia. Mm. He goes to Atlanta uh, and he takes over as the number one in that offense. Um, you know, obviously they change coaching staffs mm-hmm. they bring in Arthur Smith and I'm told he had a pretty good run with a, a star running back the past couple of years <laughs> in Tennessee, right? Derrick Henry had some good numbers. So I could see them being interested in bringing in uh, a star explosive running back. It did not work out for that team with, with Todd Gurley last year. I think Aaron Jones is the fit here. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And the only concern there, I think is financial. I think just making the money work is the tough part, but I think that's something you can pull off. I I don't think, you know, you can use contract structure. You can use voidable years. I think if they get, you know, if they can get him $20 million in year one, even if it's spread over several years for cap purposes, I think they can get a deal done. Um, so I think it wouldn't be out of the question against up there and certainly you need it at running back there with Todd Gurley hitting free agency. Um, hmm. I, I am going to say Miami. I know it's the boring pick. I also agree. I don't think they're inclined to spend that much money on a running back, but I think the market might not necessarily be there for these guys. I think that, you know, I I don't think they want to spend 12, $13 million a year on a running back, but if you get to free agency and Aaron Jones is looking for eight, $10 $10 million a year, that might be more interesting. You know, and I think certainly they have the, the finances to make it work. Aaron Jones is an effective receiver, um, which makes him, I think, more valuable. And I think there's also, you know, the possibility that we haven't seen Aaron Jones's, 
you know, premium workload in terms of just, this is a guy who hasn't touched the ball a ton. I mean, he has been a, really a guy who plays about half the snaps. He played 52% of the snaps this year. He did miss two games. He was 62% last year, but a guy who typically was getting, you know, a, a 55, 45 or 60, 40 split with Jamal Williams. So wouldn't shock me if he, you know, was going to be healthier on this next deal than maybe your typical running back hitting free agency. So um, mm-hmm. not that exciting of a fit. And I think that I, I agree with you in terms of them not wanting to spend top tier, but if he doesn't get top tier money, then I think dolphins make more sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I do think there, it does make some sense. And uh, I agree with you. I think the contracts will be uh, more underwhelming than maybe some projections just because so many teams are in, you know, uh, mm-hmm struggling with the cap right now. So, so I'm with you. And it would be exciting from a fantasy standpoint. I think there'd be a lot of value there. And Miles Gaskin would kind of fill the Jamal Williams role that, you know, mm-hmm. probably play a similar, similar role to the one Williams played in Green Bay. Um, so it's possible. But uh, for, for Miami, for me, I actually went a different way. Again, uh, go with the discount route. Go cheaper at running back. Mm-hmm. Don't pay up on an invaluable position. Spend that money elsewhere is what they should do, especially in the offensive line, which could be a problem for Jones or anyone who goes there. But I gave them Marlon Mack off the torn ACL, right? Uh, if he struggles with it, you still have Miles Gaskin there. You have a few other guys you could bring maybe in another veteran. Mm-hmm. But if he bounces back and is an effective between the tackles uh, runner and can handle 12, 13, 14 carries a game, we know he won't be involved as a pass catcher. That's fine. You have Miles Gaskin in place there as well. Maybe even Patrick Laird gets a few routes a game. Uh, that'd work out. So I think maybe you take a shot on a one-year, mm-hmm. you know, multi-million dollar deal for a guy like Marlon Mack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's I from mean, Florida. He's from Florida. He's from Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all that matters, really. All that matters, <laughs> indeed. That's very true. Um, I, I mentioned Jamal Williams as the Aaron Jones backup. Let's talk about him as well. I think he could be a guy who goes to Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think they have a lot of money to spend, but I think they have opportunity. Um, they haven't really committed to anybody. I mean, James Conner was the quote-unquote feature back, but that meant nothing. He could get hurt. He could get six carries. I mean, their running game was a mess last year. Not a ton of money to spend, but I think they could be an interesting opportunity for a guy who thinks, hey, I'm going to sign a one-year deal, prove myself, and then maybe get a bigger deal next year. And for Jamal Williams, a guy who has never been the number one um, playing in Green Bay, I think he could be that guy. I think he only gets probably two, three, four million dollars on a one-year deal in free agency this year. And I think that if you're going to get that price tag, why not go to the Steelers, have a shot at being the number one guy in an effective offense and maybe, you know, get a multi-year deal after this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. As, as I mentioned before, I have him going back to green Bay. I just think mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense there. Uh, and I think they'll sign one of the two Jones yeah. Williams. I think it's Williams. So um, I think that makes sense. But as for Pittsburgh, I did give them a running back. I think they move on from James Connor. Um, I could see him coming back uh, just because mm-hmm. he, you know, he went to Pitt obviously, and, and he's very well loved there. Uh, when he's when he's healthy, he's been effective. But I have them looking for a, a slightly more dynamic back, a guy who has a history of being plenty involved in the passing game, and actually was in Arizona last season until or, or two seasons ago until last year when they just kind of uh, used him heavily as a rusher and not much as a pass catcher. And that, of mm-hmm. course, is Kenyon Drake. So mm-hmm. um, just again, you you remember. Uh, you know, when Le'Veon Bell was their feature back, you know, very you know, utilized in a very dynamic fashion, mm-hmm. you know, he got a lot of carries, but also was very involved in the passing game. I think you get more out of Kenyon Drake in that department. And again, we've already seen that he can be, you know, he can, he can handle that early down uh, workload. He got a ton of volume last year, was near the top of the NFL 
in, in rushing attempts and carries inside the five yard line, just a ton of, ton of goal line work. And um, I think he's a guy you could bring in that uh, can hold down the number one job with guys like Benny Snell and mm-hmm. Anthony McFarlane, maybe Jalen Samuels coming off the bench. So that's where I put Drake. Mm-hmm. I had him going to Houston. Um, okay. I would go mm-hmm. with him being the replacement for David Johnson, who I don't think is going to be on the roster at his current price tag. I think that they're, I you know who knows what that offense is going to look like if Deshaun Watson's even going to be there. But I think that they're, they could be a team without Watson that does run the ball more frequently. I think Drake is an effective runner. I mean, last year, obviously, you know, never seemed to kind of get settled with Arizona. Um, wasn't as effective as he'd been the year before. But this is a guy who, I mean, was legitimately looking at a franchise tag possibility last year. Ended up getting the transition tag, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. And was a guy who was, you know, a, a, a 10 to 12 range first round pick in fantasy draft. So I think getting him on a one-year deal in the five, $6 million range is probably pretty decent value um, for what the Texans are looking at with their offense. So I think that could be another place where the opportunity is too good to pass up if you're Kenyon Drake. Yeah, uh, I agree. If they move on from David Johnson, that's actually absolutely one of the teams that skyrockets to the top of the list in terms of a need at running back. I don't think uh, they're going to go into the season with Duke Johnson as their, as their feature back. So, you know, you think about a, a, James Conner, a Chris Carson, or a Leonard Fournette, so, you know, a Drake, Marlon Mack, all those guys kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of guys to finish up here. Mm-hmm. You mentioned James Conner. Um, any inter- any idea where he you think he's going to be most likely to go or, or best fit? Yeah, um, I gave him, you know, again, maybe a, a short, uh, an inexpensive one-year deal with Seattle to replace mm-hmm. Chris Carson. You bring him in. You know, I, I don't love it because the guy he would be teaming up with is Rashad Penny, and they both have in, have injury issues. So yeah. maybe not a perfect fit, but I think it kind of makes some sense to give him competition for Penny, who I still really like. He's been so effective when he's actually been on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Dallas, it was a fourth-round pick there. They like Travis Homer. They just brought back Alex Collins. So they have some guys at least to compete and, and shake out that backfield. Yeah, I had him going to Detroit as kind of the 1A to DeAndre Swift. I know that Swift is, you know, going to have the future role. Uh, I think Connor is probably looking at maybe, you know, rotation, maybe backup work. Um, the, just the numbers haven't always been great. I know that he has had weeks where he's been a, a legit number one fantasy running back, but just, you know, that running game was not very good last year. And it wasn't necessarily his fault, but he wasn't actually, you know, he wasn't pushing the running game forward either. So um, I could see him being sort of in the Adrian Peterson role last year. I know that they've changed their offense a bit, but you figure with Anthony Lynn coming there, with Dan Campbell coming there, that's going to be a run heavy offense. And I think there'll be players to go around. And I think James Conner could be, um, you know, the one B, I guess, to DeAndre Swift's one A. Um, two other guys we have to get to here before we finish up. You mentioned Chris Carson. Where do you see Chris Carson heading if he's leaving Seattle? Yeah, if he leaves Seattle, I have him on the Jets, right? They have a pretty significant need at the running back position. So I think they they go ahead and bring him in. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they try to go with a feature back or a committee attack. You know, obviously, their new head coach is coming from San Francisco. I mean, <laughs> they used a lot of uh, a lot of running backs in that back, backfield. But uh, Chris Carson at least gives him that anchor, the guy who could handle upward of 20 carries in a game and also be involved in the passing game. So I like that one for Carson. Mm-hmm. I actually also have. The New York Jets. So we agree on. Whoa, I think, there we go. I, I think two. We have one more guy left. We might get three. Last two guys might be players we agree on, but um, I agree on the Jets. I think he is going to play a meaningful role where he goes. I don't know if he's going to get quite as much as maybe he might think, but um, the Jets certainly need help at running back. They need help pretty mm-hmm. much everywhere in offense. And again, that could be an offense that is, you know, run heavy at first, to try and take some of the workload after whichever quarterback they end up drafting as a rookie. 
Last guy on the list here for me is Leonard Fournette. Now, a guy who emerged with the Bucs during the playoffs, this playoff winning, a, a effective player for the Bucs in the postseason. Do you see him going back to Tampa or does he go somewhere else? You know what? This was tricky because um, it's it, things weren't great in Tampa, right? Leading up to the, up to the yes. playoffs, he was a healthy scratch. And Bruce Arians even said that they thought about cutting him and it was not good. So does, do you resign in that space? You know, is all, is everything healed by winning the Super Bowl? Maybe. Um, but, you know, I think for, if we're looking at it from where can he best be maximized, I don't mm-hmm. think it's Tampa Bay because I really like Ronald Jones. He's really good. And even if Leonard Fournette goes back there, Jones could outplay him some mm-hmm. weeks and then it's a problem again. And, and who knows what happens? So, um, I have him moving on, and obviously I mentioned that I have Kenyon Drake moving on from Arizona, so I have Leonard Fournette with the Cardinals, and it might not seem like a perfect replacement for Drake, but remember, Chase Edmonds was the pass catcher. He was a change of pace back and the passing down back for them last season, so they need the bigger back. They need the goal line back, the guy that could grind away 15 to 20 carries. So uh, I think if you go a player more that style, it's not someone that's like Kenya Drake, it's someone like a Marla Mack or a Leonard Fournette or a Chris Carson, or maybe even a James Conner. So that's where I have Fournette. I have him going to the chargers. That is where I finish up with him on the okay, chargers. Okay. And I, I see him as, you know, the compliment to Austin Eckler. I know that they use Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly in those roles um, with limited success, certainly inconsistent success. Um, a lot to like there on offense. Um, certainly with Justin Herbert, I think that offense is in great shape. I have to spend a bunch on the offensive line this offseason, but saw him as a guy who could be sort of the, um, you know, the between the tackles runner, a guy who can catch the ball, but certainly not where his forte is going to be. I think a guy who, you know, is an early down back there with Austin Eckler being the, you know, not figuring in on early downs, but also being the third down back. So I um, thought that could be a good rotation there in Los Angeles to finish up with Leonard Fournette, although he is not from Los Angeles. He's from LA. That's, <laughs> that's Louisiana. That's from, yeah, it's Louisiana. So uh, yeah, I, I think that, that makes sense. And they didn't get a lot from when Eckler was out last year, a lot of volume, not much efficiency. So mm-hmm. that can certainly make sense. But, but uh, Bill, before we go though, I do have one more back who oh. uh, speaking of hometowns, right? Like I, I feel like we have to mention him because it's another guy I have going back home Uh Another guy actually going from the Patriots down to Florida, and that would oh. be James White, who was born in Florida, oh. uh, going to Jacksonville. I love him as a compliment to James Robinson. You know, put him in there, give uh, Trevor Lawrence another weapon out of the backfield there. So, you know, maybe they go. They, they have a lot of money, remember? You can get a third receiver. You can get a Hunter Henry. You can get uh, James White. You can give all these weapons to uh, Lawrence. Again, assuming, I think we could all assume that he's the first pick of the draft. Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, that's one more a little uh, could have a little bit of PPR value, perhaps. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I think the the fit in Tampa is so obvious as the reliable third down. Agreed. Back yeah. Who, you know, is just going to pick up blitzes, going to catch the ball like it, it's it's too easy. So I like Jacksonville more. I think that's a useful pivot from the obvious the chalk of of Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, but certainly. Hmm. Yeah. There's sorry. They're, they're so obvious that I got a little cute with it, but um, I agree. I like Keyshawn Vaughn a little bit. So I hope he gets a shot as the compliment to Ronald Jones, but Fournette could be back there too. Like we said. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Re- reuniting him with Tom Brady does make a ton of sense. Yeah. So we will evaluate this as the offseason goes on again. If we get a couple, right, I think we'll be thrilled, but uh, Mike, just thinking about this stuff is always fascinating to me and having you want to talk about it. That's been great. Where can people check out more of the work you do on a day-to-day basis? 
Yeah, that was a, a lot of fun as always, Bill. Um, I'm on Twitter at MyClanNFL and all of my work, of course, at ESPN.com, ESPN NFL, Fantasy, ESPN Plus, you name it. So uh, I'll be busy. A lot on the docket as we prepare for another season. It's going to be uh, a busy, busy off season. I'm, I'm working on uh, rookies right now. So working on mm-hmm. capsules for, you know, fantasy rookie rankings. And we'll have all that up at some point in March. Awesome. Well, whether you play fantasy, whether you're just interested in football, Mike is one of the smartest people covering football on a day-to-day basis, a must read and a must follow. So check Mike out. And as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Always fun, Bill. Talk to you soon. All right. As always, thanks so much to Mike Clay, who does great work covering football for us on ESPN Fantasy. We have more audio coming, more football on the way next week. So thanks so much for listening.